Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at Libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. My name is Chelsea Regan, and welcome to the Bookmark Podcast. Today, I'll be talking to author Astrid Schultz about her latest book, League of Liars. You might know Astrid from her international bestseller, Four Dead Queens, and with this newest book, she brings us a new fantastical world where a deadly magic lurks in every shadow. Part courtroom drama, part jailbreak epic, and part coming-of-age story, this one will have you gripped until the very last page. Trust me. I am so excited to have Astrid here and to get to ask her all about this new book. So let's get started. Hey, Astrid. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Hey, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. We're very excited to have you. always like to start with if you could give our listeners just a brief introduction to you and to your latest book. Sure. So I am a YA fantasy author. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, hence my accent. And yeah, my latest novel is League of Liars, which is a YA fantasy crime mashup. It is about a world where magic can be lured from any shadow to alter time. And it features a 17-year-old apprentice lawyer who plans to learn the other side of the law before he begins his studies to become a prosecutor. But he doesn't expect that when he starts working at the dark prison Vardian, he never expects that he will start to side with the very criminals he thought that he would want to prosecute one day. And yeah, it turns into, as you mentioned, a little bit of a plan for a jailbreak, but I don't want to give too much away. So that's my upcoming novel. I know it's going to be a little tricky talking about this one without giving away too many spoilers. There's a lot of twists and turns. But I was really curious because this is, as I mentioned, you previously wrote actually two other YA fantasy novels. So this is your third. I was wondering sort of more broadly what draws you to this genre and how do you continue to find inspiration in creating these new worlds for each of your books? Yeah, that's a great question. I've always been drawn to stories with fantastical settings and I have often attributed that to the fact that my parents took me when I was one years old to Disneyland and it just was this momentous occasion that not only started my love of all things Disney but all things fantastical and the idea of stepping into a storybook and since then I've just wanted to create these worlds and these books that feel immersive, that you feel like you're stepping inside of a world and 
with fantasy, the genre has limitless possibilities. So you can go anywhere with it. And I really enjoy just exploring different worlds and I want them to be as unique as possible. So that's always something that I'm trying to achieve with my novels is to take a reader to a place they feel that they haven't been before. Yeah, and I think you definitely accomplished this here. You were saying your worlds are really unique, or can't be really unique. Your worlds are unique. And one element of this world that you've created for us is this magic called Edom. It's both mysterious, because it's grounded in shadow, and I always imagine it kind of like swirling around and calling to people. But at the same time, it's also grounded in this kind of semi-scientific foundation where there is a logic to how it works. And so the characters can at least partially understand how it works and how they're using it. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you developed this specific kind of magic and if it was important to you to have that sort of underlying logic to it. Yeah, definitely important to have logic to magic. I think it helps it be more believable and It's actually the first time I've written, well, I've written stories before I got published and they had magic in it, but this is my first published book that has magic in it. So my previous two novels, they were fantasy or, you know, sci-fi fantasy, and they kind of skirted around the edges of what was possible. But in League of Lies, I really dove in headfirst into the magic. And it was a system that took a while to create. I knew I wanted it to be something that was dangerous because it has to be outlawed. It has to make sense that this world creates this really fortress-like prison where you're guilty until proven innocent. You're locked away just for using it. So it had to be something that had really dangerous consequences. But on the flip side, it had to be alluring enough that people would continue to want to use it and risk that chance of being arrested and you know locked away for, for the rest of their lives. So I had to kind of find that balance of what would be alluring and what would it be and also what would it look like and how would it work. Yeah, that was a process of evolution through my revisions and yeah, I ended up coming up with Eden. Yeah, I definitely had moments where I was thinking like, oh, I'd use it, definitely reach <laughs> out and use it. But then also having moments where I was like, but there are so many consequences. Like it was that perfect blend of you'd want to use it, but you also understand enough of why it's illegal, why it's dangerous, and why mm. certain characters are so against it. it. Makes sense on both sides. So I thought it was just such a good balance. And so interesting too of the idea of how do you get rid of shadow? How do you keep yourself away from shadow? Suddenly I was seeing shadows everywhere. I was like, <laughs> oh, look, another one. <laughs> Yeah, that was a tricky one to answer because, you know, you can create shadows pretty much anywhere that you have anything. So how do you try and keep a society safe from themselves a lot of the time? Because it is that alluring part of wanting to reach out and use it at any time. Yeah, absolutely. And in this society, too, along with Edom that, like you said, is illegal, so it's not really the resource they could use. They did also have technology, sort of similar, but it's not exactly parallel to what contemporarily we have. I was wondering, as you were designing the society, were you thinking about a specific time period to design it around? Or were you kind of like picking and choosing from different to create something unique on its own? Yeah, I kind of imagined it Victorian style, kind of like steampunk-esque setting. It's not exactly Victorian era, but there are some callbacks to it. So There are a few things that I put in there, you know, the use of typewriters and things like that. I personally am just drawn to that aesthetic. 
And I also think when you've got all the technologies that we have, then it's also going to make the magic more alluring because it can create and give you things that you might not be able to get if you didn't have certain technologies. Whereas, you know, we have a lot at our fingertips today that maybe that sort of magic wouldn't be as enticing. Yeah. And the magic in your story can't necessarily create things that don't already exist. It like moves things around or like through space and time. So that became an important element too. But I like what you said about steampunk because I think that's exactly how I was picturing it in my head. And so I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes, that makes exact sense. The society you created here was just really interesting and one that I just kept wanting. Every time we learned something new about it, I like wanted more. I thought it was such a great world, but also inhabited by some really, really great characters. And the plot of the story is just such a fun ride. We've already mentioned we're going to try to avoid spoilers, but we've mentioned that there is a jailbreak in the story that plays a pretty major part. We also, though, get this sort of courtroom drama, which I thought was such a fun addition and something I like didn't expect necessarily. I feel like it's rare in fantasy books to see a fair legal proceeding right. in fantasy, but especially with a system that felt very close to our own. For a second, I was like, is this like is this an episode <laughs> of Law and Order? What's happening? I was curious how you decided to include that element both in your plot and in your story, but also just in the world you've created in general to have that more contemporary legal proceeding. Yeah, it was definitely a plan from the outset. So when I first was brainstorming ideas for League of Liars or what would become League of Liars, I had the idea of following the inspector from Fort Ed Queens and what his next case would be. And that kind of got me thinking to, okay, well, what kind of prison would hold the villain from Fort Ed Queens? And then I was thinking, well, I also love courtroom dramas. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to watch on TV. How to Get Away with Murder is one of my favorite shows. And that's one of the things that I use as a comp for League of Liars, because there is that big element of preparing for a case and researching a case, obviously, in a fantasy magical setting and then going into court. And for me, because I was creating all these fantastical elements like Edom, this world where, you know, you can basically move things around from space and time, as you said, and nothing is quite as it seems, I needed something to ground the reader. And for me, that was the legal proceedings. So in the first iteration of League of Liars, I kind of made up my own rules for what (laughs) the court would be like. And I mean, some of the visuals of the courtroom certainly stayed as I originally intended it, but I did need to then research more into what our legal system looks like, what the US legal system looks like, and have that more based in reality so that it wasn't too confusing to the reader to have a few things that were similar and then other things that weren't. So making it clear that this is the legal system, even though the world around it is very different from our own. I think grounding is exactly the right word to describe how it felt in the book. I just appreciated that these characters who I was definitely rooting for were getting a fair shake, because I think I'm so used to in fantasy novels just assuming they're going to be found guilty, even if there's a lot of evidence that they're not. I was like, oh, they're actually getting like a defense. This is great. (laughs) And speaking of courtroom drama and legal proceedings, One of our main characters, Cater, is studying to be a lawyer, and he starts the story with a very strict perspective on justice. 
he wants to prosecute people who have used Edom, and he has a very black and white look on guilty or innocent. But throughout the story, he comes to learn that nothing is as black and white as he thinks, which I think is a very common thing for people to learn, especially within the legal system. Without giving away too many spoilers, I would just love to know a little bit more about how you navigated that revelation, because I think he has a really interesting and maybe slightly unexpected development as he goes from like this very black and white thinking to one with a lot more shades of gray in it. Yeah, that definitely was the idea of the novel. Like, I really wanted to analyze how you could go from being so black and white with the legal system to questioning it and wanting to find out more. And I think as a teenager, he's been brought up to believe a certain thing. His father was a lawyer and then became a judge. So he believes in the legal system and he sees the legal system of his world as a way to protect society and also protect his heart, which had been shattered by the death of his mother years earlier from the use of someone using Edom. And she was a casualty to that. So for him, it's a lifeline. Like he sees it as the only way that he can move on from that tragedy in his past, but also that he can protect others from such tragedies. And then as he goes on, and again, no spoilers, he starts to question whether the legal system is really doing what it should be doing, which is protecting society and at what cost. That was something that I wanted to delve into and the idea of like what constitutes a crime. So for this legal system and the government, they say, okay, it's illegal to use magic. And then that's just something that they state, but things can change. And then all of a sudden it's illegal to do other things. So I thought that was a really interesting idea and concept to delve into because it really then does make you question, okay, well, what's innocent and what's a crime? Yeah, he has to learn that there's a difference between what's illegal and what's wrong, like and what's morally wrong or what he disagrees with. And the fact that those aren't always going to be the same thing is a rough thing to learn, I think, especially in your teenage years when you're like, it's not fair, but it's the way the world is. And and we all have Mm -hmm. to find ways to try and rectify that for ourselves and for the people around us. I really appreciated his character development. And I really also appreciated that even at the beginning, when he does have this very black and white way of looking at things, you do understand why he Mm. has, like, really good reasons for it. He just needs more life experience and more exposure to the realities. And I thought you you navigated that beautifully. Moving on to something a little bit more, I mean, it's a jailbreak (laughs) book, so happy is, you know, relative. But um, (laughs) your book does have multiple perspectives, so Caden is one of them. But one of the other perspectives we get is Jay's, and I think he's probably my favorite character to read what he's thinking. He has that quintessential voice that just brims with like unearned bravado and like constant humor that is clearly trying to like deflect from his much bigger issues that he's facing. (laughs) And I just, I had to know, was he as much fun for you to write as he was to read? Because I just really enjoyed reading his voice. Yes, Jay was a blast. I love a character that you never know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. And for me in League of Liars, that was Jay. His voice was very strong for me from the beginning and didn't really change much through the revision process. Like I felt like I knew who he was or who he wanted to present to the world from the beginning. So yeah, he's certainly a lot of fun to write and hopefully I get to write some more about Jay one day. Oh, I'm definitely hoping. But no, yeah, he's that character who, like, the whole world is crumbling around and he still has a sarcastic comment to make, 
which I just feel like I relate to, like, in the right. movie, <laughs> like, the world's worst joke at the worst time, but he just owns it, and I love that. And I, I love the connections he has to some of the characters. I think the way it all gets sort of weaved together is so much fun. Sort of back to, <laughs> fun interlude over, uh, back to the dark magic. I thought a really nice other touch you had with Edom was that it leaves a physical mark on the person who uses it. So there's like physical evidence for certain things, temporary, but if the magic kills someone or is used in a way that inadvertently kills someone, it leaves a permanent mark on the person who used the magic, which I think would make you think like, if they have a permanent mark, then they're the bad guy. Like, again, mm-hmm. black and white thinking. However, the people that we meet in the story who have these marks, as we're reading kind of like along with Cater, we realize that there's a lot more to the story and a lot more to what that mark could mean. I was wondering why you decided to give Eden this ability to mark your characters. And also if it was something you were hoping the readers could take away from how these marks end up playing out throughout the story. Yeah, so one of the reasons I wanted it to leave a mark was because I needed some kind of physical evidence, right? So if you look at creating this magic that comes from shadows and time is being altered and things are going backwards and forwards, it'd be very hard to prove what happened. So from a logical perspective of how the magic system worked, I wanted there to be some physical evidence. And I thought there was the analogy of the marks that it leaves behind with how in our legal system people have a criminal record. So that's that permanent kind of stigma that you get from having or allegedly committing a crime. So that was something that I wanted people to think about when, like, if you did have a permanent mark on your life to say you committed a crime and this society looks down upon those who have these marks, you know, that's quite similar to our society and how we have criminal records. And especially these are teenagers, you know, these are people who are getting these marks for allegedly committing these crimes. And then I don't want to give too much away, but one of the characters is potentially going to be locked away for the rest of their life. So it was something I really wanted people to think about when it comes to how we get crime and especially for teenagers and for juveniles. Yeah, and I think there are a couple of times in the book where their ages are mentioned in that context of these are kids we're talking about, like these are 16, 17-year-olds we're talking about. And the fact that some of the characters did receive rehabilitation rather than final punishment, and the fact that clearly that did more for them than locking someone up and throwing away the key is going to do. I thought all of that was just such an interesting look at, again, a system that is very similar to ours, especially in a fantasy. I also mentioned at the top, there's also this really grounded story within all these fantasy elements and within the magic. And something that plays a really big part in that story, too, is family. I think it's this tricky theme in the story because all the characters that you're watching and all the characters that you're rooting for have lost family in some way Mm -hmm. or another. And it does bond the group together in this sort of found family way. But at the same time, several of them are fighting in different ways to try and regain the family that they've lost. I was wondering, as you were writing the story, how you saw the concept of family for these characters and in this journey. Yeah, that's a great question. And found family is one of the tropes that I do like to explore. I think it's a great way to show readers that you can 
create your own family through friends. However you make your family can come in various shapes and sizes. So they have obviously their traditional parents that these kids have grown up with and Cater loses his mother years before the book starts. And his father is not necessarily very present in his life because of what's happened. So he is kind of looking for that connection. I mean, he has a best friend, but he's very much kind of adrift in his life. And his connection to the world has been the justice system and his goal to become like the best prosecutor that the world has ever seen. And then for that to kind of to be taken out from underneath him when he starts to question everything, <laughs> he really needs that family. And I think that it doesn't really matter who he decides that family will be, but that's his support system, his network. And yeah, that's something that I wanted to explore, whether it's the traditional family with parents and siblings or whether it's found family. Because I think both sides of it are a complicated dynamic in the story in that everybody's sort of traditional, what you'd think of as their family, have issues and complications, but at the same time, so does the found family yeah. in the way that it would. I think the idea that like, if you have issues with your family, you can find a found family and the found family will be perfect and exactly what you need. And like nothing will ever go wrong is maybe a little too optimistic. And so yeah. I like that there were issues on both sides and everybody was trying to sort of figure that out. Yeah, it's a dysfunctional found family for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. And speaking of this dysfunctional found family, you mentioned a little bit before, but I do want to ask, Given the way the story ended, I am really, really hoping for a sequel. Do you have any plans that you can talk about yet about what might be coming next for these characters? Nothing official, but I can say that I know what happens next. And yeah, I'm hoping that I can share that. So we'll see. Yay. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you know. I think that is right. always a good sign. <laughs> it's not like you're like, who knows? I think it's up to everyone to decide. No, you got it. That's great. To sort of wrap things up, it was just something I was thinking while I was reading the book, so I thought I would ask you, if Eden was real in our world and you could ask her something, do you know what you would ask for or, like, what you would use it for? I mean, what kind of immediately came to mind, because I'm currently writing, is my next book. It could just, like, arrive, finish, and I won't have to write it. But then I was like, oh, part of the fun is writing the book, so maybe that wouldn't be my answer. It's a difficult one. I think what the consequences might be. Are there consequences to my <laughs> my choice like there are with Eden? Or can I just have whatever I want? <laughs> Let's just say no one's going to die. Nothing bad's going to okay. happen. You can just have whatever you want. <laughs> well, being a massive Disney fan and the fact that it's very difficult to travel right now and I'm in Australia, I would probably bring Disneyland to me. That's a great one. That's what I want now, too. I'm like, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> So, I mean, I'd yeah. give it back after a day or a week. I'll give it back, but, like, I want to bring that to me. Everyone else can enjoy it later, but I'm taking today yeah. for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that sounds perfect. I love that answer. Do you yeah. know what you would want? I feel like when you said that about books, I feel like I would use it after I finish a book. If the next book isn't out yet, I would use it to get the next book. Yeah. There's nothing worse than finishing that really good cliffhanger and then looking and seeing the next book will be out in two years. And you're like, no. yeah, <laughs> reaching into the shadow and pulling that out would be perfect. That sounds amazing. 
Oh, this was so great. I could definitely keep talking to you, but want to wrap things up. Where can our listeners learn more about you and your books? So I am on Twitter and Instagram under Astrid Schultz. So just one word. And you can also find my website, astridschultz.com. Yeah, I love to talk about Disney books and fantasy. So if you want to chat with me, I'd love to connect on social media. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Astrid. It was so much fun to talk to you and to learn more about your process and how you created this super cool magic. And I can't wait for everyone to get to check out League of Liars. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are at BookmarkedYA. You can also follow Bookstacked on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you liked the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Plucky Bookmark. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.